0: Welcome to Off The Cut, a podcast where we talk about building, making, and answering all of your questions. I'm Eric from Spenceley Design Co. And I'm
1: Zach from Zach Builds. If you have a question that you would like us to answer on air, you can send it to offthecutpodcast at gmail.com.
0: You can find both of us on YouTube, Instagram, and unfortunately, because we have to keep up with kids, you can find us on TikTok too. All
1: right, now let's get into the show.
0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Off The Cut Podcast. Episode 5, which is dedicated to the food of the day, wait for it, peanut clusters. But I know up in Canada and down in South Carolina, this day is better known as Tuesday, March 8th, 2022. And speaking of clusters, tonight the podcast is not just Zach and myself. We're joined by fellow woodworker, YouTuber, and overall handsome gentleman, John. But you probably know him better as Lincoln Street Woodworks. John, thanks for joining us
2: tonight. Howdy, fellas. Good to be here.
1: Howdy, howdy. Um, so before we... Uh, well, why don't we just kick it to John. Do you know what a peanut cluster is? Because I have no idea.
2: Zach, I have never heard of a peanut cluster until mm. 30 okay. seconds ago. God.
1: Okay. Eric?
2: So I believe this is one of those
0: things where you basically like melt peanut butter and sugar and then like pour it over... Like a stack of peanuts, I think. I think yeah, some people might nice. refer to them as like like a bird's nest thing. I think it's like a Christmas candy.
1: Yeah. Okay. I know a bird's nest. That's like like uh, shaved almonds.
0: Uh-huh. But
1: uh, but I could see it being done with peanuts too. Why not? What's with with one nut? Another nut? Who cares?
0: <laughs> We're all just a bunch of nuts. But. Uh, this one didn't do much for me. So
1: yeah, this one's going to this one fast. Sucks. So let's let's talk about some woodwork. Yeah. actually, you know what? let's talk let's talk to John about his channel and what he does. I don't actually know where you got the name for your channel from, John. can you explain that for us real quick?
2: So it's a long, convoluted story that I'm about to tell in ten seconds. It may or may not be the location that I once lived, and uh, okay, mm-hmm. back when I decided that I needed an Instagram to show my squirrel picnic tables, I said, well, my Instagram needs a name and Lincoln Street is a place that I used to reside. That seems like a good name. And here we are with no planning. Lincoln Street Woodworks was formed. So can (laughs) I look you,
0: not that I would suggest this, but I'm so I can stock you on an auditor website and find
2: out where your previous residence was. You certainly could. You could pay my, (laughs) my taxes if you want to. Some unpaid taxes. Have at it. Yeah. Yeah, alright. Well. You could
1: you could narrow it down to the street, but you would not be able to get the number, I don't think.
2: Yeah, I don't know.
0: Probably not. But you know what I could do is I could What's let that? you know that your car warranty has expired and that you need to you need to call me immediately to get that bad boy fired up.
1: So is that the scam in the US? Because the scam here mm-hmm. in Canada is they call and ask you if you want your ducks cleaned, or they will tell you that you owe money to the government.
0: Ducks cleaned. Actually, yeah. I don't own any ducks. I don't have any livestock.
1: <laughs> Is that my Canadian accent? Ducks? Uh, no, no, uh, I'm just kidding. You you time.
0: <laughs> just trying to be stupid. Just trying to be stupid. But uh, but so, John, what, what got you into woodworking? Because Zach and I have had this discussion. We had a very long, convoluted thing. But like, why did you start?
2: I wish I had a cool story for this, mm-hmm. but I just don't. It's like everyone else. Eric, I think your story was similar if I remember right from the podcast. Nine or so years ago, we buy our first house and you think, well, I have no furniture. Yeah. I'd love to build furniture um, because it seems expensive. And next thing you know, you own a miter saw. And fast forward nine years later and you've got a whole wood shop. And spoiler alert, it is not cheaper to build your own furniture. I'll just save no. everyone no. the hassle. No, not. No way. <laughs> yeah.
1: I made a whole video on that subject, and I still get hate comments to this day. Like, every time I open up my YouTube studio app, it's like somebody's like, yeah, DIY does so save you money. And it's like, no, dude, it
0: really doesn't. What is the (laughs) definition of DIY? Uh,
1: I mean, do it yourself. So I think technically anything you do all day long (laughs) is DIY because you're doing it yourself.
0: Like, I just don't get it. it. Somebody could be like, oh, yeah. I could do that, too, if I had a $30 drill. It's like, I don't... I think that's a pretty low barrier of entry, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the DIY thing is interesting because I get the... Like, the haters vacillate between two different points. One, they'll say, this is way too complex to be DIY. Mm. And it's -hmm. like, okay, so are we going to say, like, DIY is, like, entry-level stuff? Or they'll say, like, oh, this is, like... I don't know, like you didn't use like threaded inserts to connect your table legs. And like, therefore, this is I don't this is not. Yet mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
0: therefore, you use because gatekeep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or if you use if you use pocket holes, you're the devil. You can't sell oh, yeah. that. No, that's garbage. It's, it's the gatekeeper <laughs> stuff that like I think keeps a lot of people out of it. Right.
1: For sure. I mean, it kept me out of it for a long time. I I was like, I was really worried about people being like, oh, your stuff's not good enough. Oh, you're not doing things right. Like that. That was a big concern for me. And that's a a big reason why I didn't post YouTube videos for a long time.
0: See, that's the difference. I know my stuff's not good enough and I know that I'm not doing it right.
1: Well, I know that too. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. Like I I have no illusions about being like a grandmaster woodworker, but just, I thought the shame of it would be a lot more, be like publicly called out. But I, you know, I kind of got over it.
2: Let me let me let time. you guys in a little secret on how you cannot be publicly shamed. Just don't build anything on your channel. Just allude uh-huh. to building, pretend <laughs> as if you're a woodworker, and then it's really simple. Mm-hmm. They have nothing to call you out on.
1: That's very <laughs> smart. I like that strategy.
2: Yep.
0: So I was talking to Zach about this. I think last episode we were talking, we were talking about projects and like how long it takes you to build stuff. I took inspiration from some of your videos, John, where I'm like, I'm going to try these kind of like topical type videos, dude, you can record those so fast. Like sure. It takes a little time to like write a script of how, Oh, how do I want to craft this message and whatnot, mm-hmm. but I could go out in the garage and record it in like in like a half hour, an hour. As opposed to spending three weeks building a damn table that nobody wants to watch.
1: Well, I find the build videos are high risk, high reward. Yes, like you have to invest a lot of time in creating them. But when one of them goes, it usually goes pretty well, and yeah. it tends to be like something that will generate views over a long term. But yeah, the uh, the shorter videos are definitely a lot nicer to make.
2: Look, I mean, I've built a channel around just not even woodworking, just talking about it. So (laughs) You're not going to get any complaints from me on that. I'm also, it sounds like, Zach, I'm more in your camp. Yes, they're shorter to film for me, the talking head videos, but I still... feels like I take forever to do them because I I write all my scripts. I have a teleprompter. I change camera location so it's every 10 seconds I have a new location. You got to. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they take me forever, it seems like, but... Talk about a payoff that you can get on one of those things versus a build video. I mean, the engagement is great. People love yapping about mm-hmm. tools, so they're always slight, slightly mm-hmm. controversial. All you need to do is make mm-hmm. a couple definitive statements, whether they're true or not true, and it just sets people off. Oh, yeah. Is that is that a strategy that you utilize? I don't like to be provocative just to be provocative, but I have no problem yeah. calling something like I see it, even if it's not the yeah. norm and it's a cliche that I see. So, it, if... Like, the pocket hole thing, I'm glad you brought it up, Eric. That's an interesting topic. I I always see comments in the comment section when someone does build something out of pocket holes. Well, that's not going to be around in 40 to 50 years. And it's just like, even if it wasn't, who cares? Like, it's a a coffee table (laughs) I made out of 2 by 4s Like, I'm not anticipating that I'm passing this down to my grandkids. But, (laughs) like you said, people just like to be gatekeepers. And for whatever reason tools are a hot button issue like techniques are hot button so they they, mm-hmm. they garner more interest oh yeah mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. there's no doubt about it i mean one of my mo i guess this is one of these videos that i put out a while ago and then i finally changed the title of it and i'm gonna pull it up because i can't remember exactly what it was off the top of my head i wanted it to be a bandsaw buyer's guide right oh here's some of the things you should like learn about a bandsaw or whatever and, like, things to consider. Well, it did nothing. So then I changed the title to Don't Waste Your Money on a Bandsaw. Mm. Dude, this thing has blown up, and I have never gotten more angry comments (laughs) than this. It's all engagement. Yeah, and people go, a real woodworker only needs a bandsaw. I'm like, I would can't imagine working only on a bandsaw. But, like... It's stuff like that where you can you can kind of provoke people and maybe like a title or something that you say, but still, you know, give them genuine comment or content behind mm-hmm. it, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: There's this whole thing, like my, my biggest gripe with YouTube or j- just people talking about YouTube in general is clickbait titles like you just talked about eric and sure for whatever reason unless your your title is happy and pleasant people associate it with clickbait which i don't think is accurate i think it's provocative and like sure. you just said eric like saying don't buy this but you're still talking about the bandsaw on the video to me clickbait would be you post that that thumbnail and title and then you talk about puppies like that's yeah that's clickbait And unfortunately, the name of the game these days is you have to be a little bit edgy because it's Mm -hmm. so oversaturated. I mean, it's the only way you're possibly going to stand out. I I found the same thing. I've been A-B testing like crazy all of my Mm -hmm. titles and thumbs because I really struggled with it for a while. And finally, I woke up that the title can't match. The text that's on the thumbnail has to be different. And they have to play off of one another. And if they're at all definitive or they're at all provocative the click through rate is significantly higher. Like I, I boosted the click through rate on one of my videos by forty percent like the performance wow. one or the other by just changing the title. And it was a silly title change. But yeah, along the lines of what you said, Eric, it's crazy. Do you use that uh that like highest tier of tube buddy or whatever the hell
0: they call it is? Yeah. Yeah. So I just broke down and bought that. And I can't believe I didn't buy that earlier. It's I don't know. You pay like 30 something a month or whatever, but it does like all of this stuff for you and it's so easy and it makes it so clear to see like what is working for you. Like I can't believe I didn't, I can't believe I didn't buy it earlier.
1: It's uh, it's one of those things. It's like once your channel is monetized and you're getting some income from your channel, it, I don't see why you wouldn't do it because it just provides you with so much data and it's going to pay for itself. Like if you invest you know half a half a month into making a video to have that video flop because yeah. you couldn't figure out the perfect thumbnail for it is like that's a monumental waste of time right so if there's a tool that lets you get around it it's incredibly valuable
2: so my only issue with it and i didn't have an issue until a couple of weeks ago because i've got the highest tier two and i mine paid for itself in the first month and i yeah. i thought the same yeah. thing you just did zach it's like this is worth every penny i was talking with someone at workbench and he runs one of the bigger channels out there right now. And he broke my brain because you know how it gives this st- st- statistically what for, significant. Uh-huh. Um, yes. Like the confidence. It's like we're 99% sure this will perform better. He said, I found if you leave that for longer, it's not actually true. And you need to let it run um, the 14-day trial at least.
1: Oh. Okay. Interesting. Because yeah. I've only been doing the statistically significant one.
2: Me too. And he that when he said it, I thought, oh, gosh, this is bad. <laughs> damn so
1: have you changed now and are you noticing any any differences now that you've changed i,
2: I haven't run any tests because i just okay. don't have anything to to tweak right now but i'm going to go back yeah and fair enough i'm going to post a video in a couple weeks i'm sure i'll i'll mess with it 16 times like we all do and then i'll eventually run an A B yeah. test Hmm. so zach
0: and i neither of us are married neither of us have kids you are married yeah. and you have kids right that's correct i have four-year-old twins Oh my goodness. So this is a question that I, you know, we get from tons of different people. So I'm not even going to pin it down on a single person, but how do you personally balance your time? I know you're just like us. You also have a day job and that creating
2: content is not your full job. So how do you, how do you manage that? I also get that question quite frequently and, or, or they'll pose it as how do you get the motivation to do it after hours, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure you guys have heard Mm -hmm. before. Yeah. I wish I had better answers for people on this. I, I think it's so difficult to give someone a good answer, though, because it's all personal. And it's whatever yeah. whatever gets you motivated is probably going to be the best thing for you. And it's also whatever your, your work-life balance is, you're just going to have to figure that out on your own. I can tell you for me, and I have no shame saying this, I don't know why some other people do, my channel was created to generate revenue. Like, yes, it's the only reason that Lincoln Street Woodworks exists on YouTube. It's a considerable amount of effort. So it's it's to generate revenue. And the motivating factor to go out in the shop at 11 o'clock and start filming or writing a script is to continue to generate revenue. No different than Mm -hmm. if someone was saying, I want to sell 500 cutting boards on Etsy, which I don't know why anyone wants to do that, but they do it right. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, it's uh, the balance is more just um, you have to make sacrifices elsewhere. And there's things that fall off. Like I, I used to play more intramural sports than I do now. I just play hockey yeah. one night a week. So soccer is oh, falling off. I play off. hockey too. Hey, you're a goalie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just lost the game for our team uh, on Sunday night. I blew it in the shootout. But I do that every oh, no. week. Yeah, it's a story of another time. <laughs> but yeah, you, like you just got to make sacrifices, and I think people just need to figure out what the priorities are for them, and then compartmentalize mm-hmm. and, and go from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think the, the other misconception that a lot of people have is, okay, John, I would say you're an anomaly as far as how quick your channel grew, but that doesn't discount. Like I know you put a boatload of time and effort into growing that channel, but some people will view that as like, Oh, you know, you've had your channel for about a year and you're, you know, just about at a hundred thousand, like, ugh. It's it's everybody should do that. It's so easy. It's like, no, I mean, look at it, me. I've had my channel for two years and I started out by putting a single video out every single week. Sure. A lot of my videos at the beginning were absolute, you know, just horrible videos. And I'm only at like 25,000. So like the, the, all of this takes a ton of time and effort and it's not an yeah. overnight success.
1: No, not at all. And I think, you know, John, to your credit, I think, you know, I I don't think of you as an overnight sensation or somebody who's who got lucky in the algorithm. I think of you as somebody who is very smart and had a uh, like a defined content strategy and you analyzed it and it wasn't just like a spray and pray approach. You being very strategic, releasing key videos and working really hard on them. So, yeah, just wanted to add that real quick. Oh, for sure.
0: (laughs) I mean, I remember the first time, so full disclosure, when I go on YouTube, 90, 95% of what I'm watching is not woodworking content, right? Yeah, um, so. If I'm trying to find something woodworking, I'm usually directly searching it out, or it'll be something, like uh, somebody that I subscribe to or whatever, so I watch their videos. I was watching a Cat's Moses video. If you guys haven't, I know the two of you guys have watched Cats and Moses, but anybody else listening, Jonathan Cats Moses, great stuff. But then your John, one of your videos, I think it was the dust collection basics one, came up, and I had never seen your channel before. I think I had, I think I had seen yourself on Instagram or something, but I didn't even realize that you had had a YouTube channel. And I saw this, I was like. This might be the first time for me in YouTube history that I've seen a video and go, huh, I'm going to check that one out. And usually, even if I would just check out a random video, the likelihood of me watching that full video through liking and subscribing is unbelievably low. But dude, I was glued to your videos because it was just, it was exactly what your channel is. It's just like, it's woodworking, no BS, kind of funny. And dude, it spoke to me and I was like, I got to get more of this. And I think that's what you probably see with a lot of your viewers is I've got to imagine you see a lot of carryover from video to video,
2: right? I do. And so let me, let me preface this next statement with, I I don't think that I'm an anomaly in the sense that I have some secret sauce or my personality persona is so great. I I don't think that's true. My day job, I do brand work mm-hmm. and Basically everything that I do in my 9 to 5 and how I'm wired to think directly translates to YouTube. It's the exact yeah. same conversations, the exact same strategies. So I have a significant advantage in that area over most people. But this is also what I tell others. Everyone's got something to leverage. You just got to figure it out what it is yeah. that you can leverage. I I just happen to have something that leverages a content strategy. And like Zach was saying, I was I was strategic in the whole thing like the first month when I decided to start a channel wasn't learning to film and edit because I still have no clue how to film and edit, quite honestly. I make so many ridiculous mistakes that it's it's crazy. It was spent like auditing every possible channel in our space, finding Mm, trends, finding a gap. And I found a pretty significant gap that you just alluded to, Eric. No one's getting to the point. No one's doing it with a bunch of humor and then doing it over and over again. And that's how the whole channel started and then I just doubled down and doubled down and doubled down on all of it and
0: so it's working really well for you and I know one one conversation that we have personally had uh texting each other and stuff is the fact that you you've refused most brand well I guess all brands to do sponsored stuff so tell me more about like What's that? What's the thought process behind that? And again, this this isn't critical. I'm just genuinely curious. Yeah, the thought process behind that, and like, like your revenue streams
2: and stuff. Where does that stuff come from with the channel? It's an interesting question. I, I do I do get approached about sponsorships now. Obviously, you guys know how it goes. There's the <laughs> fly by night people from overseas mm-hmm. who have give you fifty
0: dollars for a video.
2: Yeah, have a Gmail account and they want to send you a, a laser. And then there's actual companies that want you to shill face wash and coffee and those things right so there's sure there's the difference between those two i've said no to everything for one reason and one reason only and it's because of the day job i am so protective of my brand and everything that the time and the energy that i put into building this thing i'm just not ready to sacrifice it for not a nominal amount of money i mean you guys know what they pay for these things we're not at this point we're talking about it a pretty considerable amount of money you could get for let's call it an hour of extra work potentially per video mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. there's a long game in mind and i'm willing to wait it out a little bit longer and see where this thing can go and then potentially maximize other revenue streams because i don't mm-hmm. want to compromise the integrity of the brand and could that yeah. change mm-hmm. in a month yeah of course it could but that's how i'm feeling today and how i felt for the past 11 months or so since i started the channel and we'll see how long it lasts. I might sell out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I,
0: but I respect that, like, because that's one of the things I tell people all the time. Is you know, I, I will, I'll get people that message me. They'll be like, "Hey, I think I'm I'm gonna work on this brand deal or whatever. You know, X brand is gonna pay me twenty dollars for an Instagram post." I was like, "No, no, 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 no." Like that is a waste of your time. They are absolutely raking you over the coals. I'll send you $20 to not do it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't think people, I think you get a lot of, there's a lot of allure, allure, allure. I can't say the word of a brand coming to you and saying that they want to pay you, you know, for some sort of promotion and stuff. But I think you have to kind of take that in stride and set it aside and realize the value of yourself and your content. You're worth more than you think, I think, for a Mm -hmm. lot of people. And just don't take these bargain basement deals with brands just because they're going to pay you, you know, $100 for something. Like, it's not worth your time or your integrity.
1: Yeah, I mean, just from a time perspective, like, I... I don't know about you, uh, Eric, but like, if I get like a sponsored Instagram post or something like that, that's like, that's a, at least a full day's worth of work. Like, you know, shooting, editing. Sure. And then like all the emails back and forth, you got to have approval. You got to, you know, everybody's, everybody's T has got to be crossed. Every I has got to be dotted and it adds up to a lot of time. So I, you know, if you're not getting paid at least in the multiple hundreds of dollars, I wouldn't say any brand deal is worth it. And then there's the reputational costs like John was talking about, right? So something to consider.
2: I found too, like, I haven't gone down the road far enough with any of these companies. I mean, they, they pitched me pretty hard and they send the contracts. Yeah. There's things in there that I'm just not willing to compromise and neither are they to their credit. I, I respect that. They've got a, a business to run or they're representing a company and the rules are the sure. rules. like. I have creative control of my videos. I'm not willing to give up a minute of creative control because that minute to me is so valuable. And mm, and we mm-hmm. if we can't see eye to eye and if we can't see eye to eye, it doesn't mean that I don't like them or I dislike them anymore. It's just not it's not in the cards.
1: Yeah.
0: So like I guess what I was what I was talking John earlier. I was talking to you about before Zach. You know everybody should know that Zach did show up late to the podcast. Just we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> clear the air. We're gonna clear the air on that one.
1: I- How dare you? Hold on. First of all, first of all, he sent me the wrong link.
0: Anyway, you know, we were trying to figure it out, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bulldoze Zach on this one. But so I was talking to John before we started recording, and um, you know, full transparency, I work with Craig. But one of their things is they are like, we do not want you to do an ad read. Like, just do the videos as you normally would and just show you, show you using some tools. So am I going to, to take that opportunity? Yeah. If it's a natural implementation and there are tools I'm already going to use, then mm-hmm. sure. And like, I would like, that's pretty much the only like YouTube stuff that I do. I, I, I don't do a lot of those other brands and cause it's my channel smaller, but like some of those other brands will reach out and want to do stuff with me. And they're, they're paying you pennies. And I was like, I'm not taking that deal. Like I have, yeah. I, I respect myself too much for, for like the small amount, like, you know, brand, a big brand, you know, one that everybody sees on, uh, uh, YouTube or whatever reached out and my hair is fine. If that gives you a hint. Um, they reached out and I, I talked to Zach about it and they wanted to offer me a hundred dollars for a 60 second, ad read in the first 45 seconds of my video i was like absolutely Mm. not ouch like you're wasting your time don't do it yeah yeah totally
1: and the bigger your channel gets the more leverage you have in those negotiations too like as you're alluding to so at a certain point like yeah like i i would throw like a little 10 second mention of a brand in if they were willing to you know pay me enough to cover the materials and my video editor's time and stuff like that right so it's a balancing act and the bigger your channel gets, the more leverage you have and the more you can tip that in your favor.
2: Yeah. I I found that too. I mean, I've, I've I've gone back and forth with companies. I know I said that I'm not, I haven't done any brand deals and don't want to. It doesn't mean I haven't gone down the road. And as, as the channel has grown and for whatever reason, recently I I hit like that big hundred thousand mark. Like it's such a dumb vanity number, but for whatever reason, it makes such a difference to the sponsors I noticed. And like you said, Zach, it feels like I have so much more leverage. And when I, I go back to them. The responses are really quick and they're never second guessing. And it's yeah. it's right. so ridiculous that that's their mindset. But again, I get it. They're not watching my videos. They know nothing about me. They just see the numbers. No, these, these brands exactly. don't watch any of your stuff. No.
1: <laughs> they just know. They just look at the s- subscriber number. They look at the engagement number. And then that you fit into a spreadsheet somewhere of how much they're willing to pay you and how much they're willing to tolerate from you BS wise. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and yeah, that's about how it
0: goes. So I've got a question for all of you guys. This is from okay. Woodworking Pelican, and
1: Ooh, they want a user question. Yeah, nice. yeah. This
0: is a user question because John was he was ragging me at the beginning that we don't actually answer any questions.
1: <laughs> we usually do like two.
2: <laughs> Zach, I told Eric I, I listened to a little bit of the episode you just dropped today, and Eric mm-hmm. said I have over four pages of questions, and I thought to myself, well, good. They have a year's worth of basically content for themselves. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. oh, I'm,
1: I'm thinking like three <laughs> or four years at this point. <laughs>
2: this is great. And then
0: we, we put up that thing in like the, the podcast description. That's like, send us a question and you know, send us, if you do have a question, send us a question at off the cut podcast at gmail.com. And we will add it to our four pages of questions and they get answered in no particular order. Um, but yeah, so we got a boatload of questions. Woodworking Pelican wants to know how did you get comfortable In front of the camera.
1: Anybody want to tackle this first? Well,
0: I will just start off with a very broad statement and say that uh, I don't know because I haven't.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good answer. (laughs) So true. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think I I practiced a lot before I ever released my first video. I think I started using Instagram and at a certain point I was like, you know what? I'm going to be one of those douchebags that talks to their cell phone. And like walks around the shop and like kind of narrates what they're doing. Kills me. And it was horrible when I first started doing it, but uh, you get better at it. I don't think I'm good at it by any stretch of the imagination, but it is just a practice thing, I think.
2: Yeah, I think it's like anything in life, just more reps. I I, let me let me say this. I don't want to come across the wrong way in this. Uh, I did a a lot, or still do occasionally, a lot of public speaking with my day job. Um, Not anymore, actually, because of COVID. So I felt like I had, again, a little bit of expertise to leverage in that area. Now, I'll tell you this. The first time I fired the camera on, public speaking versus talking to the camera, two completely <laughs> different things. But yeah. I felt like it was a skill that I could pick up a little bit quicker because I'm comfortable standing and talking in front of people for an hour straight. Like That's just natural to me. Do I get nervous like everyone else? 100%. But I ease into it like I'm sure you guys do once you yeah. once you hit the record button, and then you just you keep plugging along. But I think it's just – you just got to put the reps in and go over and over again. My first four videos are cringeworthy. I cannot watch them. I'm so stiff. I talk really slow. I I refuse to even go back and look at them at this point. You should look at mine. (laughs) You
0: know, one of the the things I I was watching your stories the other day, John, about how like your wife was giving you a a hard time about how you point, right? Mm -hmm. It's so funny because – I had my girlfriend brought up the exact same thing the day before that you posted it, but it, it's it's because like talking to your to your phone, holding your phone up and being like, "Hey guys, here's what I'm working on" is so unnatural for me that like it's like the anchorman thing. Like, what do I do with my hands? Like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I also have this nervous energy that I need an outlet for, and my hand becomes like I need to just gesture. around. My girlfriend said the same thing. By the way, she lo- she's like, "Why are you talking with your hands so much in the video? You don't talk with your hands at all in normal time." So
0: yeah, <laughs> we're awkwardly pointing around the screen for everybody
2: listening. <laughs> it's making great non-video content for you guys right now. <laughs> yeah, just well, pointing. Say, uh,
1: by the way, I have been trying to talk Eric into doing a live stream of this podcast. Uh, and I think he's agreed to it. So it you shot. guys look forward to... You can look forward to that on our YouTube channel pretty soon, hopefully.
0: So we sh- we could have used it last week. So, John, we've, we actually recorded a couple episodes. This is episode five right now. And we just released episode two last week. Because we were trying to get like a little backlog, kind of like figure out how this whole thing goes. And so on episode four... Somehow we got off on this like 40, 45 minute long tangent about ghosts and ghost stories and stuff. And so we were trying to describe photos over the podcast. And it was great podcast. It was clearly doesn't work. So like we we ended up throwing the the, uh, we're going to throw the photos up on the on the Patreon and stuff. But like that's why we thought like, man, this might be decent video content so we can get the ghost pictures and the the finger
2: points and everything like that in Mm -hmm, there. mm Mm-hmm. i respect that you didn't just throw the episode away like that we're all going to get to relive the ghost experience now through you guys oh i mean yeah. uh, t-
1: to eric's credit he showed me some banger ghost photos <laughs> these are like some of the most convincing ghost photos i've ever seen in my entire life so
0: i'll send i'll, I'll uh i'll text them to you john so you don't we don't we won't shill our patreon on you <laughs> perfect you you paid your dues <laughs> we'll we'll send you the ghost pictures <laughs> It was worth it for the hour and a half coming on with you guys then. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to pay that like $2 or whatever the Patreon thing. Oh, by the way, I severely oh. apologize.
1: Yeah, we have a patron we that we have to get announce. We did a patron.
0: Our very first patron, Craig. And you know Just what? Craig, Craig also sent me- Just Craig.
1: Huh? Just Craig. Craig also sent me a very nice message on Instagram. He uh he was one of the first people to listen to the show. He sent me a message saying how much he loved it. And uh Craig, it meant a lot to me, and thank you for that.
0: I, I should be very clear that we are talking about a person named Craig and not the tool company. So it's no, actually Although Craig at oh god, I can't read names. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a stab. Hegan home goods. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds, it sounds right to me. So I actually had the pleasure of chatting with him. I did like a live personal chat on my own patron. And dude, this guy's he's the nicest person in the world. So Craig, sincerely appreciate it. And for everybody else, uh, we have patreon.com slash off the cut podcast. We have access to the after show. You can get a shout out on the podcast and we just launched some merch. So if you're interested, check it out. No pressure. And uh, let's move on. Not be awkward about that. So Craig, we appreciate it. Um,
1: all right, Eric, do we have another question that we can kick to right now?
0: Yes. So actually th- this one's from Patrick Ortiz. Okay. And he wants to know, are parallel clamps all that much better than pipe clamps and are they worth the money?
1: Hmm. Good question.
0: So I want to start off by saying I have never used a pipe clamp in my life.
1: Oh, okay. I've got a bunch of pipe clamps uh-uh. that I use all the time.
0: So so what's um, the allure of, of the pipe clamp? Please educate me, because I'm uneducated. Money? It's cheap.
1: You, you go to Home Depot, you buy some black pipe, you throw a couple like end caps on it, and you're good to go. Um, I've never actually used a parallel clamp, though, so I don't feel qualified to say which one is better.
2: No? Wow. No. So do I have to weigh in here since I, I have both and use yes. both of
1: them? Exactly, yes. That's why you're here. Okay,
2: so I'm going to do this in a Lincoln Street style. We're going to get no bullshit here. Pipe clamps low barrier to entry because they're cheap and you can make your own sizes as needed for a project if necessary. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's a great little add-on for pipe clamps.
0: So how much for for cost purposes? How much is a forty-eight inch pipe clamp going to run me? So, uh,
1: well. Let's see. Pipe clamp. I'm going to look this up real quick.
2: You, you need to buy the little end attachments. So I believe those come in two packs. Maybe you can buy them in six packs. And they used to be $20. I haven't bought them in a long time. Okay. No, yeah, maybe, I'm looking at the Bessie ones right
1: now. At, and they're $20 <laughs> Canadian. So maybe even fifty dollars so,
2: so is that when you say $20, does that mean
0: like a one end for each clamp? So that would yeah. effectively be $20 like per clamp. Yes, yeah, correct. Okay, Plus
1: okay. the cost of the pipe.
0: Which is what, like the schedule forty or whatever the hell it is.
1: Uh, let's see.
2: Is that what they call it? I don't know. I don't build homes. Let
1: Let's say you're <laughs> all do. in
2: for twenty five bucks to thirty bucks tops for. Yeah, for I one would those.
1: think. I think that's a fair estimate. Yeah.
0: Whereas a forty eight inch parallel clamp is going to run you
2: sixty to a hundred.
0: I would assume more than twice uh,
2: more than twice what a a pipe clamp would. I think is safe. So nice... it used to be fifty five bucks or sixty bucks or so or forty eight. Okay. Okay. In the US. I'm
1: looking at a pair of uh Pony Jorgensen forty eight inch bar clamps, parallel bar clamps, and it's uh one seventy Canadian for the pair. So
2: so one seventy fake money for all the people following yeah. along. Yeah. Closer <laughs> to like 120. <laughs> money. Yeah. Real money. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's purely a, a low barrier to entry for pipe clamps. Now, where pipe clamps for are sure. fine when you're first getting started, if you want to do things like cutting boards. Small panel glue-ups, they're great. They're cheap. They're very flat and straight. They're easy to work with. But when you jump to the parallel clamps, Eric, you know this because you have parallel clamps. So you don't have anything mm-hmm. to compare it to. That's when things start to get really good because they've got a couple added benefits. They just apply pressure a lot more consistently than the pipe clamps. So pipe clamps, you got to be a little bit finicky. You probably know this, Zach Earls. They're mm-hmm. likely to cop. You definitely need to use calls with them, oh. i found. Parallel clamps, not as necessary, but here's where I think parallel clamps shine. In my experience, in my tiny little shop, you can go vertical with them after you like tighten the clamps down, right? So when you're storing yeah. them, you now don't need to basically make your workbench obsolete for two and a half hours while those dry, because you pick them up, right. you put them vertical, and you move them off to the corner, and you go about your day. You don't have that luxury with pipe clamps, so you're buying convenience for sure.
1: How do, you, how do you figure? Because I do that all the time with pipe clamps where I'll clamp something up and then I'll just pick it up and move it to the other side of the room.
2: But do you store them vertically or do you?
1: Yeah, like I'll usually like lean them up against the wall or something like that. They they definitely like wouldn't stand. Oh, I because like the parallel clamp has that nice like firm yeah. base. So you could actually stand it straight up, but I'll just lean it against the wall.
2: That's fourth dimensional thinking that I clearly am not capable of. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's alien level. That yeah. must be a Canadian thing. Yeah. <laughs> So, but like John, what you're saying is like with the parallel clamps, you have that like six, I don't know, six to eight inch, like solid platform that you literally can just like, you know, glue up a panel and then just set it on its side in the middle of the floor and not have to lean it up against a wall or anything. And you're good to
2: go. It, it's amazing. Plus, I mean, you guys know this, you wait like 15, 20 minutes for the glue to set up a little bit and then you can just easily access both sides because it's flipped straight up. You don't have to worry about yeah. it tipping over. It, it's yeah. like anything in life. You're buying convenience. Do they both do yeah. the same job? 100%. Do you want to you make what, your life easier? Pay more. Yeah. i tell you what, Zach. I
0: got a, I did a deal with Pony Jorgensen, so I am I got a bunch of clamps coming. Mm-hmm. I will send you all of my non-Pony Jorgensen parallel clamps if you just cover the shipping.
1: Oh, wow. yeah. I would 100% do that. All right. All right. You got yourself a deal, my friend. Sure. Thank
0: you. Sure thing. That's wow, what you get, everybody. people. That's, that's, a, that's a deal. That's, yeah, that I guess that one's not going to hit my one penny eBay selling that I do hmm. sometime on, uh, on my Instagram stories. That's how I get rid of all the crap I don't want. I just put it up on one penny on eBay, and then sometimes it literally goes for like $2, and sometimes it goes for a boatload. Either way, people are getting a good deal on it. So,
2: Do those just other parallel clamps start with a B and rhyme with messy? No, they,
0: they, they, it's Irwin are the oh, other ones. Okay. No. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And it wasn't Irwin an exclusivity thing. Stuff. It was just like, they were like, yeah, we don't care if you use other stuff. It's just going to make it easier for me. Cause then I can just like take any clip from anything I'm ever doing and be like, boom, branded content
2: done. Yep. You're gonna like yeah. You're going to like the ponies. I, I have the ponies and the, the Bessie in my shop. The ponies are cheaper, but they don't yes. have these little ridges um, on the, the shaft of the clamp, which mm-hmm. the Bessies do. glue gets and a nice stuck in the motion. Yeah, it's, It looks great. And it's, <laughs> this is why we need to live stream. Would, yeah. This it's, would be great content. He's shaking dice, if you're wondering. <laughs> Shake so, yeah, it's really <laughs> annoying on the Bessies, and the ponies don't have that. And I found that mm-hmm. I don't see much of a difference other than the fit and the finish. Like, if you're worried about your hand having to ratchet on something slightly harder and Less comfortable. Yeah, another and issue. Yet, yeah, <laughs> that's the only difference I noticed between two. I uh
1: I just bought a pony bench vice and I it, I ordered it off Amazon, and when it came, I was like, oh, this thing's kind of cheap feeling. No mm-hmm. offense to Pony, if they're listening, which they definitely aren't. But <laughs> Who, I just uh, bench vice Yeah, it was like one of those like undermount seven inch bench vices.
0: I don't know what that is. I genuinely don't know what you're talking about.
1: Like a like a a, a, a vice that you put on your bench. <laughs>
0: Is this, it's like is a this horseshoe. Like a, it's like, like right there in the name. dovetail thing? <laughs> this sounds like something I mean, I that guess... some, somebody would try to pawn dovetails off on me as trying to get me to buy.
1: Yeah, it's true. You, you could use a bench vise to hold a piece of wood while you cut uh, dovetails into it. But anyways, the point was I bought this thing thinking I was like, oh, it's, por- it's Pony. It's, like a, it's a nice brand. It's going to be a, a high quality piece. And I got it. It was all rattly. It felt really cheap in the hand.
0: Oh, you guys yeah. are killing me. Yeah. You're going to love trouble. Yours yeah you're no concerned. so i i have pony clamps um and that's that's why i was like when they want to do something i was like oh for sure like i love your clamps and stuff i just had some other brands as well you know what i mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wasn't buying i'm not a when it comes to me buying my stuff i really don't care what the brand is i have every power tool under the sun like i have every how, single brand
1: how do you do that because i uh i'm pretty loyal to dewalt at this point Only because I don't want to have like 10 different chargers. Mm. Like if Milwaukee makes a tool that's better than the DeWalt version, it has to be a lot better for me to go out there and buy it just because I don't want to have like another charger on the wall. I'd rather just have like a wall of batteries. I can grab one whenever I want.
0: So I guess I started out by buying Ryobi tools because they were cheap, they're affordable and I could do whatever I want. Then one of my drills broke and I sent it out for the warranty and I was like, well, you know, while I'm here now, I, I don't need a big drill. So I got that like Makita subcompact thing, which I love sure. them. Yeah. And then one of my buddies got me, he, he is a salesman for uh, Milwaukee. So he got me the Milwaukee cordless circular saw thing. So then I had that one. And then Festool sent out their impact driver. So then I had that one. And then I worked with the orange brand for a little while and then I had that stuff. So like, it's not that I've actively pursued all these different platforms. It's Let's just now out that way, now that I'm on them, like if I were going to buy a tool, like I would re- like, if I needed a, I don't know, a, a reciprocating saw or something, I would really like go look at all the brands, like see what I like the best and then not really care so much about what the brand was and just find the tool that I want. Cause I'm on all the platforms. Mm-hmm, but if mm-hmm. you're not, then yeah, just stick to one platform. It's a waste of money to be jumping all over the place. Yeah. But All right.
1: We uh I think we've talked about batteries for long enough. Can we kick it to another listener question?
0: Mm-hmm. 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 Let me get a good one. All right. I'm scrolling down. Yeah, let's go deep
1: into the, the list. Let's so go- This
0: This is a Okay. Oh, okay. This is a the new one. This is one of the ones I got from an email. So this oh, is nice. Jeremy. At Whiskey Sloth Woodworks. And bear like with me because this is this is a novel. I was hoping one or both of you. I guess he didn't know that John was joining us tonight.
1: Let's just pretend he said all three of you.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. Two. So, th- okay. Three of my favorite makers. Anyways, I'm looking to add some tools to my small two-car garage shop. Ooh. Yeah, big shop. You double the size yeah, of mine. Yeah, I was going really yeah, to say me, two-car man. garage sound like a small shop to me. Too? and not sure which to start with. I was hoping to get some insights from you three on what you think. My choices are one, a jointer, two, a bandsaw, three, a drum sander, or four, a laser. I'm very interested to know what you'd start with and maybe the direction on brands that you'd go. I don't think the brand is that important. Um, I'm a, I'm a very beginning woodworker, and I know these are project specific. Thanks, fellows. Looking looking forward to hearing your thoughts. So again, jointer, bandsaw, drum sander, and laser.
1: Okay, should we all just shout out our answers all <laughs> at the same time?
0: Uh, yeah, you want to count it down?
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, three, two, one. Jointer. jointer. Oh. Yeah.
0: Okay, okay.
1: I mean I if I'm answering seriously, I would probably say jointer too, but I just love my drum sander so much and I will take any opportunity I can get to talk about that thing.
0: Yeah. yeah. I don't have so John, which of those you have a joiner.
2: You don't have a did you you just bought a drum sander the other day, right? I did buy a drum sander on Saturday. So Nice. M- which one do you get? I got the sixteen thirty two from a good friend. Okay who hated it, and I did what any good friend would do, said, you hate this, I'll buy your crappy tool from you, and then I'll hate it, but I want to do this for you. <laughs> so yeah. I, I added the nice 1632, very nice guy. I just don't have any space for it, so I need to reconfigure some things. Yeah, I saw that in your stories.
1: Yeah, they take up space. The drum sander is not a small tool. I mean, I, it's probably the smallest tool, Like the I don't know, it's got a big capacity for its footprint, but it's still not a small tool by any stretch of the imagination.
0: John, here's my vote. You, under your outfeed table where you have your sustainers, you make almost like a slide-out tray so that you can basically like pull this out from your workbench. It's going to be on the floor, which I know isn't ideal. Then you can feed everything through. You'll have the ability to open that garage door up. And then when you're done, you just slide it back underneath your workbench.
2: So I put that as I did a poll and I put that Mm -hmm. as one of the Mm -hmm. possibilities because I was thinking the same thing. But then the more I thought about it and the poll reflected this, everyone just said, put your router table in the side of the table saw, which is where it belongs anyways in a small shop. I don't use my router table that much anyway. So it's not me either. I'm getting rid of mine. Yeah, it's not. I talked
1: about that last week a lot, actually. It's not a big
2: (laughs) deal to me if occasionally I have to set the fence back up. And I'm just gonna keep it. I think where the router table lives right now, because I had the initial thought that you did, Ericus. Like I'll just put it there. I'll slide it. I'll use it on the floor. But then I said, you know what? Maybe I don't want to work on the floor anymore unless I have to. I'm getting old. Yeah. Like I'm tired. Maybe I'll just I'll keep it where it belongs on a stand, and we'll try that for the time being. Yeah, I agree.
0: But yeah, 100%. Get. Get it on the stand or or maybe you can ditch something, you know, like if there's something else that you just absolutely don't need in there. But, you know, that's that's only what you would know. But I would pick the jointer. And that's mm-hmm. because if if you don't know this, buying rough sawn lumber is miles cheaper than buying like S4S stuff, which basically mm-hmm. means that it's surface on all the sides. And when you buy S4S lumber, Fun fact: It's not actually flat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're just wasting your money. And so, like, I I got a planer, and the way I get around it now is I have to take like a like a melamine sled and hot glue and shim boards. Dude, I see I see your your you're, you're, you're <laughs> nodding, John. You know that is a nightmare to do. The worst. And yeah, it takes so like for me to you know plane down a couple boards. It's going to take me at least one to two hours to do it yeah and but the reason i haven't got a joiner yet is because in my apartment garage shop i have one 15 amp outlet Mm -hmm. with no access to the breaker panel so like it doesn't seem like an effective use of money to go out and buy a 110 volt you know four or six inch joiner that can barely take off any material right now where I could spend like $200 more whenever I move out of this shop and mm-hmm. get a three, two or three horsepower, eight inch one. You know what I mean?
1: What about, uh, hear me out here. I just use a little eight inch bench top joiner and it works pretty well. I mean, it can remove more material than you would think it would be able to remove. And it's eight inches too. So, I mean, I wouldn't send like a, you know like a six foot piece of lumber through it but for four foot pieces it's fine does the job definitely better than sending it through the planer on a piece of melamine
0: i've definitely considered it because one of the other like outlets i've i've thought about doing for youtube videos is like buying the cheapest version of of some tools and just like Mm -hmm. genuinely trying to make them work right so Zach, I told you I did one, and this hasn't come out yet. I did one with Amazon's cheapest angle grinder. Spoiler alert: it was a nightmare, and I almost got hurt because the, oh, ba- no. the battery got like crazy hot and like almost looked like it was like melting. So, <laughs> but I've had the same idea of like, do I buy the cheapest jointer I can find on Amazon and like genuinely see how it operates, or like it's a gotta be win, right, like probably. Cheapest-
1: I uh, I actually did a very similar thing. Uh, I but I went even more down market than Amazon. I went on to AliExpress and I tried to get the cheapest <laughs> drill that I could buy. <laughs> so it's on the slowboat on its way over from China. But keep your eyes peeled for that video soon.
2: It'll show up next year. All right, let me add a little controversy because why not? Let's let's spice it up yeah. a little bit. Yes, please. What, was it Jeremy from Whiskey Sloth that was who asked this? I believe so. Jeremy. Let me me hit edit on Yes. So here's my thoughts, Jeremy. And if you listen to the earlier part of the podcast, you already know where I'm going with this. Everyone's situation is different, but I said jointer when we all decided to shout out the same thing at the same time for a couple of reasons. I'm assuming you have a planer. If you don't, planer should be in front of jointer, but let's assume you have that. You are buying convenience with a jointer, but where I'm going to disagree with Zach, do not buy a benchtop jointer. That's one of those purchases, you don't know until you know type of thing. Yeah, And I started out with a little benchtop six inch. I I started woodworking out of my shed and I had to put everything on the patio when it was time to work and then haul it all back in. So that's all I could do. But I was a member at our local guild at the time and we had a 16 inch Oliver, which 16 inch Oliver is about as good as it gets. But I knew what I was missing out on, but I had to suffer at home when I needed to build something yeah. at home. Mm-hmm. So, when it was time to upgrade, when I finally actually got a, a single car garage, obviously I wasn't going to get a, a nicer bench top. And you want as much width as you possibly can get. But where it, the eight inch jointer shine versus a six inch, especially on the floor model, is the length of the beds. And if you mm-hmm. plan on building anything large, and again, everyone's situation is different. Jeremy, if you only make cutting boards, you don't need an eight-inch jointer. But if you want to build like tables, which everyone does these days, it seems like that extra bed length makes all the difference when you're doing longer boards and supporting it. I can take things off the jointer when I'm edge jointing, and when you go and you glue everything up, the joints are they're flawless. I don't, I couldn't get the same result with a shorter bed jointer. So mm. if you're gonna do it, Jeremy, save the money get an eight inch, if you can't afford it right now, buy a used six inch floor model, do not buy a laser. I will come and find you, Jeremy, and I oh, will yell gosh, at you. No. Do not <laughs> buy a laser. And you don't need a bandsaw either. Was yeah.
1: bandsaw the other
0: option?
2: I think bandsaw was the other. Uh, it was joiner, bandsaw, drum sander,
0: laser. Yeah, I've considered but, getting rid of my bandsaw too. I
1: uh, I would never ever get rid of my laser. I love my laser, but it's not, obviously it's not even in the same class of tools. But my, uh, my green laser level gets a lot of use. Not so much for woodworking and stuff like that, but uh, home improvement stuff. It's one of the best tools I own.
0: Oh, I thought we were talking about, like, laser CNC.
1: Oh. Me too. Okay, okay. Well, you know, we, people kind of have different opinions about different things.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. A line laser? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. They're like hundred bucks. You can get a cheap one for like 50 years. It'd be great to have. (laughs) Just buy it and move on. (laughs) But if we're talking like a laser CNC, unless you're in like the whole like Etsy thing where you're cranking out cutting boards and like, Mm -hmm. you know, custom mugs and whatever you're engraving stuff, you don't need a laser. Or if you're in some large scale production, which you're not, where, you know, you're cranking out like templates and vices and
2: jigs and all kinds of stuff like that yeah you don't buy a laser they look cool you don't need it do you guys do this whenever you're rationalizing a tool purchase because i just just went through this with the drum sander the only thing that i concern myself not so much the dollar amount obviously you you need to have the cash and everyone's different in that regard but will this purchase save me time yes and will i be able to basically i don't sell anything but will i be able to recoup my time with this purchase pretty quickly and if the answer is yes I'm all in hundred percent. Like yeah. And I think a, a jointer like you said, Eric, you'll recoup it really quickly because you'll be yeah. not having to buy S4S, which is absurdly expensive, or you won't have to do the crazy thing that you do with a sled and edge <laughs> joint. Like that's that's insanity. I did that for a little bit. Because once know, you have the jointer. Yeah, the, your world changes because you can you do just yeah. I do in fifteen seconds what takes you probably ten minutes, let's call it, per board by the time oh, you shim more. it and glue it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you gotta wait for the hot glue to heat up too
1: and not only time but sometimes just your own sanity yeah. like i think about what parts of the process i dislike doing and a lot of the time that is like i i went and bought the um the mercaduros six inch mm-hmm. sander and i really enjoy that thing and it's but it's like an 850 sander i mean down south probably 600 bucks for you guys um but nobody likes sanding right and this is a tool that gets it makes sanding a little bit faster, a little bit more enjoyable. So that's that's how I evaluate uh, the tool purchase a lot of time. That's a bad example because it came back to time. But sometimes things can still just be uncomfortable or horrible to do or something like that. And I will often pay to not have to do those.
2: <laughs> I bought the Merka. I don't know, it's got to be over a year and a half ago now, Zach. I'd be interested mm-hmm. to hear your thoughts and obviously you like it. But I never realized how much I like it. Again, it's one of those things you don't know until you know. I was doing a project recently, and I, I blew out the pad saver on it, so I couldn't use the sander anymore. I didn't have an mm-hmm. extra, so I had to go back to my Makita. And having to sand with that thing for 20 minutes, you don't realize the vibration, how difficult yes. it is to control. And then you say, yeah. okay, I get it now. Because once you yeah. once you get the Mirka, it's the only thing that you know and you use it day to day, so you get accustomed to it.
1: For sure. And one thing that I know, like you don't think going from a five inch sander to a six inch sander is going to be that big of a deal. But then you do like the funky, you know, calculate the area of a circle math and it's like, oh, going from five inches to six inches is actually like a 34 percent increase in surface area. So not only is it spinning faster, not only is it vibrating less, not only does it have like the best dust collection in the game, but it's also just covering more area on every pass. So it, it is one of those tools that re- will really quickly pay for itself.
2: Do you find, too, that with sanders, I, I know that people often balk at the price of it. I mean, you just said it, and I, I've yeah. gotten called out for the Merca in my videos, even though I don't pimp it or promote it at all. must be nice to have such a fancy sander. People <laughs> are much more willing to justify dropping $600 on a crappy used, let's call it bandsaw, than they are a sander. But when you think of the time you spend sanding versus the time you spend using a bandsaw, it's it's
1: crazy. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, it's just not a very glamorous tool either, right? Like it's small. It's like for the part of the job that nobody enjoys. So I don't know, I guess maybe some people don't think it's worth it to spend money there, but it absolutely
0: is. I'm surprised you guys didn't rag on me as soon as I left to go to the bathroom. No, we're, we're covering for you. We're professionals, man. I thought you guys were immediately going to stop and be like, where did this guy go? <laughs> no, we're a team. We're a team.
2: Well, you just made it awkward. Now everyone knows how long yeah. you take to pee. Yeah. Well, you know.
1: I don't know. You were going for a while. That might have be been more than a pee.
0: Oh, well, you know, I, that was my fault. I made I made a glass of bourbon, a gin and tonic, and I got, a, I got a seltzer next to me.
1: Wow, you got options. Yeah,
0: and it, it was too many choices, which, by the way, for everybody asking at home, it's lemon tonight. Kroger's nice. lemon. It's a good choice. Nice. But John,
1: where do you sit on the uh, the soda water, the seltzer water train?
2: I don't drink any of it. None. <sighs> oh, so, okay, goodness. get off the podcast. I'm sorry. Should I leave? Down. Shut this bitch down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. the, ol- the only thing that I drink, other than when I'm drinking beer or gin and tonics also, my drink, Eric, I, I can't handle the brown cow, the whiskey or anything, mm. is water. That's the only mm. thing I need to yeah. drink. I'm Same. more than happy with water.
1: I uh, I like a little bit of a little bit of bubble in my water, Mm. and both Eric and I are big time seltzer enthusiasts. So every week we like to compare what we're drinking today.
0: Yeah, Uh, but uh, so the problem with the seltzer on the podcast is that yeah, if you have too many of them, you burp, which causes issues. But all right, I got another one for you, and this will actually segue into something that John we were talking about at the beginning and i neglected to write this person down so we're just going to refer to them as unknown user. Okay. I'm looking to finish a table that i'm building. What finish should i use? This is opening oh. up a can of worms.
1: <sighs> okay, let's do it. Let's
0: so do i know it. we ha- i know we all have a hot take on something like this, but let's 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 temper that one down and just talk about in generalities.
1: Um okay, for the last long like, for the last couple of years, I've been a big fan of hybrid polys, like water-based polys, just because they're easy, they dry quick, and uh, that's kind of been my go-to for the first yeah. for the last little bit, especially if I'm working with, like, a, a wood product. But uh, lately, I've been thinking I need to switch over to hard wax, so that's going to be something I'm going to be experimenting with over the next few months, is just trying out all the different hard waxes on the market.
2: All right, unknown user. Way to lob a grenade into this little podcast. <laughs> First off, I would say, if you want to talk about finishes, and i am it's a shameless plug, but I did a video on finishes, oh, yeah. and I compared 14 different finishes on four common hardwoods. It's a really interesting video, and you'll probably learn a lot from it. But let me just tell you what I use, and even doing the test didn't change my mind. I'm a Rubio guy. I feel like I have to be because I'm on YouTube. It's like a rite of passage. Buy mm-hmm, a saw yeah. stop, use Rubio Monaco, you're good. Everyone will like you. Occasionally have a woodpecker tool here or there, and you'll fit right in. Not too many though. Yeah, not too many. Mm-hmm. Just just one. Maybe two. I hide them in the drawers. But he- <laughs> here's why I like Rubio and why I don't like the other company, which we can talk about later in the after show. Yeah. And we'll we'll go unfiltered in, in the after show on that company. I find with tables, and I do build a decent amount of tables, repairing the table is important and the ability to repair something is probably undervalued when you're choosing a finish because dense things scratches and the finish wearing off is going to happen unless you cover your table with i don't know plastic and you never really beat it up you can repair rubio so easily and it doesn't look like you repaired it versus a film finish like Mm -hmm. a poly or something like that so Mm -hmm. again valuing your time and having to fix something i value my time enough i don't want to have to go back and refinish an entire surface if a small little area gets scuffed up i can sand it I'm down i'm going be to honest Rubio. with you yeah
0: if i so i have i, I built this, the dining table that we have now coated it with armor seal i like armor seal it's mm-hmm. a decent product but i can tell you for a fact if i get some huge water spot or dent on it i'll just make a new table before i would ever think ever? about stripping that finish off and re and refinishing it. I, I'm not yeah. doing it. It's yeah, fair enough. It, it's not worth my time. And like, especially creating content, if you want to do project videos, do you know how much extra time it's going to take you just to finish stuff versus like slapping some Rubio on it? And then boom, now you can start making all this content and everything on it. It's just so
2: much easier. Can I add a disclaimer about Rubio though?
1: Yeah, I'm not do. affiliated
2: with them in any way, and clearly you're duo about to coat. know this. Yeah, duo coat. So Rubio Markets has a single coat product. Right in the name. If you're going to be doing a darker wood, let's assume walnut, because that's what. If you don't build something out of walnut, you're a loser these days. Apparently, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You need two coats because it is way too flat, and the extra, oh, yeah. the extra sheen you get from a second coat, which doesn't take a lot of time. You do it the next day, lightly scuff it, and you don't need hardly any material whatsoever. The difference between the two is night and day so you got to do two yeah. coats it is not a single coat on darker hardwoods
0: yeah so i've noticed i've done the exact same thing i've tried i've tried the osmo i think the poly x is that what it's called is that the one you use john yeah mm-hmm. yep i tried that i've tried the walrus oil butter something or other And I've tried Rubio and I've tried this vesting stuff, which vesting is a new one coming out of like Europe that's, you know, I'm not going to say they're the same thing, but it's the same idea. You have the two cans, you mix them together, hardener, oil, wax, same thing. I treat it just like Rubio. And then you have like Odie's and stuff. Every single one of those, I've had to do more than one coat. Oh yeah. No matter what they say. Because the I'm that not, matte finish, I uh, just ugh, I don't I don't I don't personally like it.
1: I've never found a a true monocoat finish, and I'm not a big matte guy either. Yeah, for a number of reasons, but
0: yeah. You know what else Aesthetic. I'm not a big fan of? Odie's Fitting. oil.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I thought we were going to save it for the after show.
0: Well, you know, so I know John, you've got. We all had a pretty poor experience with uh odious oil to say the least right to say the least yeah yeah Yeah. so i think we maybe we can talk about that a little more in the after show where we get uncensored and you know you kind of addressed it in your youtube video very lightly you basically said that you had a very harsh interaction with them and then you basically cut it out of the video because you want to take the higher road and not just turn this into griping about people on the youtube video right Correct. So maybe if, if you wouldn't mind sharing with some of the folks in the after show some
2: of the things that happened. You think you could do that? 100%. So if you want to, join their Patreon. Look at this. I'm going to plug your Patreon. <laughs> oh, because I've
0: never heard you plug Patreon in my
2: life. And you won't because I think it's ridiculous. But I'm doing it for you two right now. Okay? I'm breaking my moral code, my moral <laughs> compass. I've made fun of Patreon in my own videos. And will continue to do so. But... Please do. It's a juicy story. And if you've seen my videos, you know that I don't hold anything back or generally try not to, unless it's a little bit unsavory like this conversation was. So I'm not gonna I'm gonna throw all the punches and you'll get exactly what happened. I'll give you the no bullshit take and how it went down blow by blow. Join their Patreon. All right,
0: <laughs> all right guys, you heard it. So we're gonna stop it for here. I can't even talk. Gotta quit drinking. We're gonna stop it here for tonight. We are going to head over to the after show. So we will either see you at the after show or we'll see you guys next
2: week. John, you did great and your check is in the mail.